You're now listening to Off the Collar, powered by Backswing Golf Events. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's Morning Scroll on Off the Collar. It's your host, Nick Johnson. Thank you guys for tuning in. Let me save you the time of scrolling through your Instagram and tell you what happened in the world of golf over the weekend. We had a heck of a tournament on the PGA Tour, the RBC Canadian Open. We had a stacked leaderboard, which ended up in a playoff of Tommy Fleetwood against Nick Taylor. At one point, we had 10 to 12 guys within a couple of strokes of the lead. It was really some great golf to watch over the weekend. If you didn't check it out, let me go over it real quick. Um, we got a lot of guys go really, really low. We had a couple rounds, six under, five under, and eight under from Terrell Hatton. Uh, but my disappointment of the of the weekend, or just of Sunday, was Roy McIlroy shooting even par, starting the round a couple shots back. I really thought he was going to be the one to close this thing out. I don't know where his head is right now in terms of overall playing, you know, normal events i don't know if he doesn't want to peak too early with the u.s open this week either way was definitely a disappointing uh, performance from him but coming down the stretch watching these guys come in the last few holes they they had a lot of scoring holes coming in like the last four holes were all birdieable um and i honestly thought tommy fleetwood was going to close this one out he made a couple birdies late uh, got tied for the lead with Nick Taylor. Nick Taylor made an amazing putt on the last hole in regulation, um, which ended up being the putt to get him in the, into the playoff. But Tommy Fleetwood had the ability to go for it in two on the last hole, which is a par five. For some reason, decides to lay up. I mean, he has to be one of the best ball strikers in the world. Uh, and I, I, don't, I still don't understand it. He lays up into the rough basically eliminating any possibility of making birdie on that on that last hole uh, gets into the playoff and does the same thing I, I I mean I don't understand I don't understand where his head is when he hasn't I mean you would think he hasn't won a PJ tour event he doesn't have anything to lose like that was the time to be aggressive and I think uh, if I'm being honest he should have been the one to win the, win the tournament outright but very happy for for Nick Taylor I mean the playoff was incredible Tommy Fleetwood had to make a I think it was about a 12 footer in the first playoff hole for birdie um, and Nick Taylor had to make about a five footer to tie him after Tommy Fleetwood just cans this putt basically like doesn't even read it just steps up to it and knocks in the back of the hole and then it starts raining as soon as Nick Taylor gets over his matching birdie putt and knocks that one right in the back of the cup like really great tv and uh, they both par the next two holes in the playoff they get into the 18th hole again in the fourth playoff hole uh, Nick Taylor knocks it on in two, has a 75-foot putt, which I will show right here so you guys can see it. And I don't think anyone expected him to make this thing, but it is tracking the whole way. You see it from multiple angles, knocks it in the cup. I mean, what an amazing walk-off victory for Eagle for him. And to be the first Canadian winner in uh, over 60 years, I mean, something he's going to 
he's going to remember for the rest of his life. And I think they this tournament is has definitely stepped it up in terms of overall production value. I think it was the 14th hole. They turned it into like a hockey style rink and fans were knocking the boards, you know, trying to make it a more of a stadium type of feel like you would get at, you know, the waste management. And I think it's a great idea, especially with hockey right now. It's a huge hockey country. Um, it was a great way to get more fan involvement and it was great, you know, TV uh, to see more excitement around the sport. Uh, so very happy for, for Nick Taylor. And it, it was an interesting feel. It was like uh, they were mentioning on the broadcast, it was like a, a Ryder Cup, President's Cup type of feel because you had a lot of Canadians pulling for Nick Taylor, a lot of Canadian PGA Tour players watching, uh, Mike Weir, the captain of the President's Cup team, watching his guy Nick Taylor trying to close this thing out. Uh, and then you had a bunch of guys from the European side rooting for Tommy Fleetwood, a lot of European um, Ryder Cup players. You know, it was, it was a very cool atmosphere. And you can see it in the video how excited you know, the fans were for the playoff and for him to do it in such dramatic fashion. I mean, it was great, great TV. Uh, I had to, I had to watch the putt four or five times. Pretty amazing that he was, he was able to make that. Um, hopefully not to draw away any attention from Nick Taylor, but in, in celebration, Adam Hadwin, who's uh, another guy who's had a lot of success uh, and is a, a Canadian golfer himself, comes onto the green with a bottle of champagne trying to spray Nick Taylor in celebration and gets completely laid out. I'll, sh I'll show the video here, but gets completely laid out by a security guard, which I still, I don't understand. I mean, there, there was complete chaos fans storming the green. And how does the security guard decide to just tackle Adam Hadwin? Like, where's the thought process? He has a, full bottle of champagne like where is a where is a a civilian or you know a normal fan gonna get a bottle of champagne from and why would you tackle adam hadwin of all people i would imagine he didn't have his pga credentials on him but again it's like i think tackling the guy is a little extreme you could have just like grabbed the bottle away from him like he wasn't he wasn't going to have like any danger towards Nick Taylor. Um, I still don't understand it. That security guard must be in a world of trouble from Twitter and, and social media. It seems like Adam Hadwin's taking it the right way. It was really quite, quite funny. I mean, I don't know how else you would take it. You can't, you know, press charges or anything. I can't imagine. Uh, but I'm sure it was the last thing he, he had expected was to get, basically full on laid out um, in front of the entire world. I mean, it went viral Im immediately. Uh, hopefully he didn't sustain any injuries, but I'm sure that security guard was definitely questioned afterwards for what his, his thought process was. Um, and some other news, this is a huge week for the PGA tour, the U S open week going to be uh, held at, Los Angeles Country Club. I've played it a few times, uh, not recently, but I played it in uh, when I was a junior in a U.S. Junior Am qualifier. It's a very cool course. 
set in, in basically the heart of Los Angeles, right next to the uh, Playboy Mansion. You can actually hear it from a lot of the holes on the course. Uh, I think it'll be a very cool event. My pick for this week is going to be Max Homa. He's a local boy. He's definitely set up for the course. Um, he was definitely excited for it. Even like five or six years ago, he was interviewed on uh, No Laying Up, how excited he was for that venue. Uh, he has a lot of history there. Uh, but he hasn't, this was before he even started winning on tour. So I, I'm imagining this is a very important week for him. He's an LA boy, um, in his, in his heart. So I would definitely think he's going to be a topic of discussion this week. Um, my sleeper pick for this week, I don't know how much of a sleeper he is, but Rory McIlroy, I think, although he had a, a, a rough weekend, I think this was the kick in the pants that he needed to motivate himself. I think he's had a lot of um, distractions this week, uh, especially with the Live Golf PGA Tour conversation last week, which has seemingly disappeared in the last few days. I haven't heard really anything at all in terms of further discussion with the merger, uh, but he was quoted Roy McIlroy was quoted as being a bit of a scapegoat. And I, I agree. He was kind of put in, a, in an odd situation here, but I think he had some success at the RBC this week. Sunday didn't go the way he wanted, but I think this was the, the spurring factor that's going to get him in contention this weekend. He just needs to close it out. His putter needs to be a little bit more cooperative over the weekend. And I think he'll be able to solidify his first major victory. And I think it's been six or seven years now. Um, a lot of expectation has, you know, kind of disappeared for him. I think he, he needs to find that motivation again to get back in the winner's circle uh, in the major championship sector and I think this will be a good a good week for him he drives the ball better than anybody and this course is going to be very demanding in terms of driving the ball you know keeping the ball in the fairway off the tee so again I don't know how much of a sleeper he's going to be but I think he's going to be somebody that um, will be tough to deal with also Tommy Fleetwood he's uh He's been knocking on the door a little bit as of late, has a new coach with Butch Harmon, and they've been working together for four or five months now. Uh, I think he's starting to find some form. He has a lot of good stats in putting, which I thought was odd because he's he's been changing his putter a little bit here and there. He went to an Axis putter, which is a, a putter that Justin Rose uses, a couple guys use, which is like a uh, one of those putters that doesn't doesn't rotate which I think is odd. He went from a putter that has a ton of rotation with a heel shafted blade to one that has no rotation at all. He went back to his trusty uh, Odyssey putter um, a couple months ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, and started to find some, some good results out of it. So hopefully that can continue forward. I love his game. I think his short game needs a lot of work uh, as probably – a lot of them do, uh, but he is definitely a ball striker and he's going to need that for LACC this weekend. I'm going to be going up there Sunday uh, for Father's Day with the family. I'm excited to get out of 
out of the heat in Austin. It's 100 degrees every day this week. So I'm excited for some good weather in San Diego, play some golf with the family, but going to go up for the U.S. Open that Sunday. And uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll maybe do some something live out there uh, while we're watching the golf. It'll be a cool venue. I'm excited to see uh, how they set it up because it's traditionally very old school. Uh, the I think the club was founded in the 20s, maybe even earlier, maybe even in the 1900s. So very old school, but uh, it's going to be the a cool venue in terms of U.S. Opens and USGA, and hopefully it can it can deliver. It's uh, McElroy was quoted as saying, "West Coast U.S. Opens always tend to deliver, like Torrey Pines and Pebble Beach." So um, we'll see if Rory's right. But thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's installment of Morning Scroll. If you guys want to check out our episode from last week from with Stephanie, uh, we talked a, about a lot of cool stuff in terms of teaching and her perspective and her uh, mentality towards newer students, older students. Uh, I shouldn't say older students, but more experienced students. And she was a great, uh, great guest. Can't, can't wait to have her on again. And we have another segment coming out this Friday, as usual. Um, this has been, again, your morning scroll with your host, Nick Johnson. Thank you guys for tuning in to Off the Collar. We'll see you guys on the next episode. See ya. This has been Off the Collar. Powered by Backswing Golf Events.